0: This is The Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team.
1: Well, what's up, Leading Second? Welcome back to season two of The Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart, and we are so excited that you're here today. Uh, If you lead and you're not in charge, Leading Second is for you. And if if that identifies you, welcome to your new tribe. Welcome to this space. If you're new here with us today, of course, the Leading Second podcast releases every Thursday morning. And we just consider it a huge honor to have a voice into your life and into your leadership um, on a weekly basis. I also want to say welcome back to our Millennials in Ministry series. We're hearing such great feedback on the series and I hope that today's conversation continues to help you. Uh, if you're a millennial leader, I, I pray this is helping you have the right perspective for the very unique culture that we are navigating leadership in today. And for all of those of you who uh, lead millennials, I, I pray that this helps you as well to get the conversation right. At Leading Second, we're not into labels, we're into leadership. And uh, we want to try to strip away some of the labels that have been placed on this generation, while at the same time calling us as millennial leaders higher to, I think, um, a biblical and sadly, maybe more uncommon level of leadership. So um, welcome back to this conversation. So glad you're here. Uh, For our first segment today, we've crowdsourced another I Am Leading second story. And uh, this one's a bit different. Uh, Today, you're going to hear a very heartfelt statement from my friend, friend of Leading Second, Bryce Birmingham. He's the campus pastor at Home Church in Calgary, which is a location of the bigger picture of Home Church based in Red Deer, Alberta, with campuses all over that province, as well as around the world. Bryce wrote this on social media recently, and I just thought it was so well done, so well said. I wanted him to share it with you today on the podcast. So let's check out this, I am leading second story from one of our leading second tribe members.
2: This is my pastor. I don't usually do this on social media, but I wanna write something personal today that is not flattery or fluffy in content. It's weighing deeply on my heart, and I trust it will be interpreted through the spirit it was written. I believe we can too easily miss the intended gift of God in our lives, so here we go. Last week was a huge week for me personally. It was what I would describe as brutal. What I didn't need in the midst of challenge was cousin, bro, Jay, or J-dog. I didn't need dude, man, or bud. I was in need of the person God has both graced and placed into my life. Both Pastor and Mullen and Pastor Becca Mullen pastor us in our marriage, our family, and our church. Every Sunday afternoon or Monday, I lean into his voice on live stream to hear the heart of God for my life and our church. Sunday message is the strong primary voice. A travesty too often made is to view or listen to the voice of our leaders through the lens of common, familiar or entitlement so easy to kill the authority and accountability because we desire a certain relationship status i am thankful i am under authority and entrusted we serve jesus together this is my pastor heart and soul
1: Read Bryce's story on social media recently. I instantly thought of this story that I've taught on before. Maybe you've heard it about an experiment that was conducted in a Washington D.C. metro station. Let me read this to you, and then I'm going to comment on all this in just a minute. In 2007, on a busy morning in Washington D.C., a man quietly took his place up against the metro wall. He pulled out his violin. He placed his hat on the sidewalk, and he began to play. For this performance, he had chosen six selections from Bach. Well over a thousand people walked by as he began to play. Some stopped and listened briefly. Some slowed down their pace. Some even gave sympathy money. On several occasions, little children would stop to listen, but every time, their parent would pull them on. The beggar on the street in that metro station that morning was the world-renowned Joshua Bell. The story that he played was a violin valued at $3.5 million. Just three days earlier, people had packed a Boston theater at an average of $100 a seat to listen to him play. But today, his concert netted just a few bucks, mostly from sympathy. When he finished, only one woman recognized him and approached him to say hello. No one else acknowledged the magnificent talent That had just been on display. The music stopped, the violin went back in its case, and the master walked away. For nearly an hour, there had been greatness there, but almost no one recognized it or valued it. You know, when I heard Bryce's statement and I thought of the story, I I thought of this statement. You can be looking straight at something great and miss it simply because you didn't honor what you saw. I guess today, before we get into our episode, I just wanted to shoot straight with all of us Um, as I travel and meet young leaders and in churches where God opens up opportunity for us to go. I feel like I see too many young leaders right now referring to their pastor as bro or as bud or their friend, or even worse, I see some leaders who don't just call their pastor bro. They actually want their pastor to be their bro. I think this comes out of our very anti-authority culture right now at large. And I just want to remind us all that God has placed our pastors in our lives for a reason and for a purpose. And that purpose is to lead us, to watch over us as men and women who will give account for how they lead us. And wouldn't it be just like the enemy to cause familiarity toward our leaders to creep in and uh, pollute or, or neutralize the vital role that our pastors as leaders could play in our lives. I just love how Bryce said it on that day where he needed it. He didn't need a bro to show up. Keep in mind, he's also related to his pastor. He didn't need his cousin to show up. He didn't need his friend to show up. He needed a leader to show up. He needed his pastor to show up. And when we honor the leaders God has placed over us and we submit to their authority and we go the extra mile for them, I just believe it opens up a whole realm of God's blessing in our lives that we wouldn't have otherwise. So Bryce, thank you for sharing your story, and I pray that every single one of us will be reminded today of the greatness that's sitting right in front of us in the form of our pastors and leaders, and we'll take some time to really examine our hearts and show them the honor where honor is due. If you'd like to share your I Am Leading Second story, or if you have a question that you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast, I'd encourage you to reach out to us uh, by emailing us at leadingsecond at churchforward.co, or reach out to us on leadingsecond.com, or join the Leading Second forum on Facebook and message us there. We would love to hear you and feature you on an upcoming episode. Well, today we're continuing our Millennials in Ministry series, as we've mentioned, and specifically our topic of leading in a digital world. I pray that today helps you as we navigate this very important space, the digital space, and attempt to use it well for the kingdom. Uh, Today I'm joined by three incredible guests. First of all, I'm joined by Anna Morgan, who's the executive pastor at City Church in Chicago, a great friend and returning guest uh, to the podcast. Also, uh, Pastor Pace Hartfield, Uh, the lead pastor of One Place Church in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, who's been on the podcast before and is also one of our team church contributors. And finally, Nicole Smithy, who's the co-founder and CEO of Iridescent Women. She's also on the team at Liberty Church in New York. I pray that our conversation uh, helps you today. We're picking this up midstream. So if you missed part one, you may want to listen to part one as well. Uh, But let's rejoin my conversation with these three on leading in a digital world. With social media and with any digital platform comes the self-promotion trap, um, meaning I, I, can, I can equally post or do something to help someone, and I can post something to promote myself. And at the end of the day, maybe only I know my motives on it. And I, I, I see value in having confidence in what God has called you to do. I see value in being confident about the voice God has given you and confident in how you can help people and build the church. Like I, I see so much value in it. And then I also see so many posts that feel so inauthentic and where where are like, no, you posted that to show us something great. You did, you know, and mm. I don't know where the balance is. Can we just lean into this conversation for a minute on, uh, you know, I, I, I think, um, we judge ourselves differently than we judge others in this, and how can we get this self promotion thing right on social media? Where's the balance?
3: There's part of me that I don't know, and and I totally agree with you, Brandon, because I feel the same way. I feel conflicted about it. Everything I read, particularly, in because um, I I think you guys, you all know, I'm doing some research right now in my in a doctoral program. Into developing women leaders in the church, and everything I've read um, from secular women's leadership development people is basically that women tend to um, stand back, give team credit, um, be more communal in their approach. And so the secular thinkers say, "Hey, you got to self-promote. You got to get you got to get yourself out there. You know, look out for number one. No one else is going to do it for you." Um, but then I think when it comes to um, a Christian leader, there's you know there's biblical dynamics about how we think about that that I think are a little bit different. But I think sometimes um, the pace that we feel pressure to move our ministry forward can cause us to not wait for someone else to be like, "Hey, you should hear this thought and that um, we we feel like we got to get it out there right now, ourselves. And I think that um, I think, Uh, having that longevity about how we think about development, like what Nicole was saying can help us find the right balance. I think in some of that, Uh, when we think about, okay, it's God's going to develop me over my lifetime. It doesn't have to be in the next two months, right? Mm -hmm. It can take some time, takes a little bit of pressure off that I think. Well said. Yeah. It's, it's such a, it's such a good
4: question. And I think it's, um, it's to your point, and what Anna articulated really well. I think it's a it's a complex um, conversation because you know there's a lot of different camps and what you think, and there, conf, there's nothing wrong with confidence, and yet self promotion, or um, uh, right, I get maybe the word like selfish ambition
2: mm-hmm. is
4: actually something the Bible talks pretty, um, has pretty strong thoughts on, uh, and that it does not in any way uh, reflect the character of Christ. And so what do we do then to enter these spaces in this world that a lot of times, um, you know, like if you're going to get people's attention, you have to self-promote. I mean, that's kind of like the industry of social media today or the digital age. So then how do we bring the character of Christ into Mm -hmm. this? And And I think it's I think social media is really interesting because in a lot of ways, I feel like it's a mirror and it reflects um, on a larger scale society. And then even sometimes can be an indicator of things within our own heart, even as we're scrolling. And, you know, one of the things that I've realized is that I I tend to and I can be pretty quick to criticize somebody else and go self-promotion. I'm unfollowing you. I can't take another like quote from you or another <laughs> preaching clip today or whatever. But then if I were to do something like that, like I give myself the benefit of the doubt one, because like, you know, <laughs> I'm drawing people to Jesus and right. uh, there's a message in this, or I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to get this resource to somebody. I'm going to try to enter a conversation. So I think, I think one way to approach this, just like having the right, maybe posture of heart I've learned is to practice a lot of humility. And in terms of like, Hey, um, don't, why can't I flip that a little bit? Like, why can't I self-examine my heart and have a filter and have accountability as to why I do what I do. But then when it comes to other people, why can't I just give the benefit of the doubt, you know, instead of being so quick to be like, Oh, I hate this, you know, or you're unfollow. Mm -hmm. unfollow. Just to really take a minute and go, I probably don't know the whole story, and and you know, you use your judgment. After a while, if you feel like you want to unfollow somebody, unfollow them. Like, chances are they never know. It's not a big deal, but but at the same time, I think to have that kind of posture of humility and being open to like, hey, where can I grow in this process, and where 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 are my motives? And I do think that's a really personal conversation that should allow some corporate accountability as well or some community accountability in the conversation, but. At the end of the day, like you have to feel like you're pointing people to Jesus yeah. and um, what you do. And if that's not happening, I think it's worth having an honest conversation or having some checkpoints in your life to go um, between you and God and also the people that you really trust who will tell you the truth. Like, yeah. hey, is this really pointing people to Jesus um, or is it more about me right now?
1: Extremely well said. Yeah,
0: I deal with this on, on the daily of um, checking my motives of being. Um, post and having moved from Dallas to the Pacific Northwest in Northern Idaho, there's a sense for me, at least I feel a little bit off the grid compared to where I used to be. And, um, so the question that I like, I literally have to ask myself daily when I'm posting something is, is this reflecting the glory of Jesus or is this putting me in a position to bear the glory, to take mm. the glory. And the reality is, and we've all seen it, like men, women, we're not meant to bear the glory. We're meant to right. reflect the glory. And when you begin to bear it, it looks ugly, you know, yeah. and it may get eyebrow raised; It may get you some attention, but it, um, I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to self-destruct if you, it's just too weight. it's too weighty. The glory of God is too weighty for man to carry, you know, mm-hmm. you can't bear it. And so yeah. for me, it's always like, Hey, in, in this like moment, a- in this post, in this picture, um, am I, am I being reflective? Am I reflecting glory? Or am I trying yeah. to bear something that's not mine to bear?
3: Wow. I, I love
4: that. I love that. I, yeah. um, I, I also I think the trap of bearing the glory for um, ministers is that we just like helping people. So sometimes we just want to take a little bit of the credit of somebody mm. else's story or some sort of growth in ministry or um, and so you could be sharing a testimony, you could be talking about what God did, but there's a little piece of you that's like, and look what I did. That's bearing the glory. And I think yes. that's like, that's a really subtle thing that we need to watch because, so um, you know, one of the things I, I like Netflix, so, um, I'll, I'll admit it. Uh, some people are like, I never watch TV. I don't have time. I, I just find time. I don't know. I like TV, but, um, <laughs> I'm, willing to, I'm willing to admit it, but I like the makeover shows. I like the the home over the homes and the people make them. And some of them are like complete people transformation shows. And, um, and they some of them are quite moving, but it made me realize, like actually just recently, I was like, you know, um, ministers are not the only ones who help people like the world knows how to help people. Right. What's mm-hmm. what makes us different is the gospel. Like Jesus yes. is really what sets our yeah. message apart. So, I, I think we have to be really um, clear on our main mission when it comes mm-hmm. to any sort of communication and certainly in social, like really, how are we glorifying Jesus and how are we, if this is, if somebody's going to look at this post and this might be the one thing that they look at us, like in some way, did it glorify Jesus? And in some way, did it bring them really back to Jesus being the, the being the source of really what they need and not us in any way. And, yes. I, and I think it's a really important thing to, just be honest about and continue to check, and that's something I try to do pretty regularly. We can all go down that subtle path,
3: uh, and we I, need to be back in sometimes. I'm curious what you guys think because I see some people trying to balance that tension by posting their vulnerable stuff. You know, if if we're up, with the whole idea being we're always posting um, our highlight reel and hiding the you know hiding the empty seats or that that kind of stuff. Um, And they'll, you know, do the no makeup post or, you know, those, those kinds of things. I'm curious what you guys think about um, trying to balance things out with the, I don't know, more negative posts for lack of a better term.
0: I think it comes down to driver because if you're posting, (laughs) if you're trying to be, if you're trying to be authentic and show people, hey, I'm authentic and I'm real. Are you really? I mean. Totally.
4: Yeah, I I agree. I think it comes down to. I think it comes down to motive, but, Mm. um, there's something that, um, oh man, I'm not going to give the right credit to, um, somebody I read, they wrote a really beautiful blog about, um, preaching from your heart. And one of the things that he talks about is this idea of like, um, fake humility, like Mm. faux humility. And we've all kind of heard it in messages where it's like, you know, afterwards I got in church, I was going home and I got mad at my wife, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a sinner too. It's like, it's kind of faux humility. Like we believe you, but it doesn't, that's not vulnerability because we all already assume that you have those moments. Right. Um, you know, and I think we can kind of fall into that trap too, in the name of trying to be authentic where we put those out there, but it's like, and I think people are smart. I think people are, are sometimes smarter mm-hmm. than we give them credit. And especially, I think, um, a, a generation that's grown up on social media, they can smell a phony. It doesn't mean they don't buy into the system, but right. they can smell it sometimes and see it. So I think you hit on something like if you're trying to be authentic for the sake of being authentic, I think you're missing the point. I think if we're trying to really connect with people and build bridges, then authenticity is going to be a byproduct of that. Um, really, but yeah. not necessarily the first thing that we're thinking about in terms of what we post.
1: I think it's really important to look at at um the overall story. So, you know, when I'm looking at all of my posts, how often am I self-quoting versus how mm-hmm. much am I giving honor to others? I think that was one of the most powerful decisions I made a couple years ago on social media was I was going to try to use my social more to give honor to others than anything. That that mm-hmm. maybe yeah. that maybe that was just something my voice could be about would be, would be about using social media to just entirely speak about other people. And I'm not saying every post I ever do does that, but, um, I, I think I, I wanted that to be part of my story, you know, not, not just the pontifications that I have that I can do a meme on. You know, I don't mind. I don't mind a self quote from someone every now and then, but I think when you take into account the entirety of what someone posting is that like eighty percent of what they're posting, or is it like ten percent of what they're posting? And and I I've just tried to keep keep, find the right balance on it all. I guess is is maybe the way I've tried to approach it. That um I'm I'm gonna try to not just think post by post, but what's the story of my voice on social media? Let me ask you guys this. Here's an interesting one. We didn't talk about this, but let's talk about quickly about like online conversations and um, debates. Uh, you know, every, everyone loves a good Facebook debate, right? <laughs> uh, or, you know, uh, I think we've all probably done them and had to go back and delete a couple comments here or there. Um, I just kind of have this idea that, I, I mean, I think we need to be clear as leaders, you know, about what we believe. But I, I'm just not entirely sure that it's helpful. To be to be going into a debate kind of mindset on social media with people because that stuff gets enshrined and people build people build impressions of us as leaders by how we talk online and you can alienate someone mm-hmm. you know toward your voice um, and what you would want to share with them of the gospel because you were debating uh, a very small issue over here and turned them off. I mean, in, in any thoughts? I guess on on how and when to use our voice when it comes to serious conversations on Facebook, social media, whatnot.
0: I would definitely say take caution. Um, as you're going to if you're going to enter into that, I think we overestimate um, that people know where we're coming from. So, mm-hmm. you know, you think, oh, well, they know my heart. They know who I am. Well, really, they don't. Mm-hmm. So you have to be so measured in what you say and how you say it. And you you probably, if anything, if you're going to add your voice to a debate, I mean, I, I caution against it, but if you really feel like you have to, you better spend the lion's share of your time helping them understand um, where you, I guess, where you're coming from and they have a, and have a sense of humility and really the, the idea of, Hey, I'm, I just, I want to add into the conversation. I don't want to be the end all to the conversation, because otherwise, it's. Uh, I mean it. Yeah, it's it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous thing, <laughs> with what you're saying, yeah. Brandon. Totally, people will take a snapshot of a debate. You feel like you have to take a stand on, and you you assuming they know where you're coming from. I just think we take the liberty to say things because we think, oh well, they know where I'm coming from, and they really don't. And our words are actually uh, harmful, not helpful.
1: Well, and I I think as, as the church, we just have to remember, I mean, our, our mission is the evangelization of this planet before Jesus comes again. And why die on a smaller hill than that? You know, why, why lose our voice over, over smaller issues than issues of the gospel? And I, I just think we run the risk. We run the risk of, of alienating people we could actually help. Um, on an issue, on an issue that doesn't carry the weight of people's eternity with Christ. And, um, I I just think it's a risk we run.
4: Yeah. I think, you know, I, I think those, uh, a lot of those Facebook, um, debates and not just (laughs) Facebook, they tend to live the longest on Facebook, but you know, they're, they're everywhere. Um, they, I think they revealed to us that we as a society have no idea how to engage in healthy conflict. Yeah. We just don't know how to do it. So, uh, and, and why, why, why would we apart from like the saving grace and power of Jesus, you know, to like learn those things. So I don't think we should be shocked by it. Um, and I do think one of the things that social media does is it's like that extra barrier. It's like, mm-hmm. um, yes. you know, I, in LA, I was always in a car and so sometimes I get really angry at complete strangers, but I felt like I could think certain things about them, um, mumble them under my breath, go right back into a worship song. And it was So much more acceptable than face to face having that same conversation with them. Like, I'd never do it because there's a barrier of car to car, right? I'm admitting my humanity here. But when I moved to New York, (laughs) there's there's a subway and there's people and they're right next to you and they can hear everything and they can see your facial reactions and your body language. So you're just so much more aware of how what you bring to the table affects other people. And you also see the humanity that they bring to the table and them as a whole person. We've completely lost this with social media. We have to be really intentional to remember there's a person behind that account. There's a face, there's a story, there's a life, there's a day that they had and, and social media conveniently leaves that out. So it gives this, Mm. this great opportunity for connection. But a lot of times we end up objectifying people in a lot of different ways or putting them easily into categories so we don't really know how to do healthy conflict i think as a society especially through a medium that makes yeah. it harder for us to really see people as whole people wow. that being said i think that i think that we i think part of discipleship is not veering away from the conversations it's just having the right avenue for them so i i would also steer away from an environment and you ultimately you need to get direction from your lead pastor and really be submitted to that but It's like, okay, yeah, don't get in an argument about this issue um, on on social media because of all these dynamics we just talked about. But you should you should have a pulse on what's going on with the people that you're discipling and leading and how it affected them. So you could have some one on one conversations and really dialogue with them and and create an environment where people feel like it's a safe place to, to converse and talk, because that's really the way of discipleship as well. And it's teaching people not to run from these issues, but really be able to look at them through the lens of, okay, well, what does the word of God have to say? What is the Mm -hmm. heart of Jesus behind this? And how can we lean into these things? Because I think if we don't do that within um, our spheres of leadership, we run the danger of just saying, okay, guys, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to get into debate, but if we never talk about it, then we're becoming really irrelevant to things that matter yeah. to a whole lot of people. So so I do think there needs to be a balance to that. It's not social media, maybe that's the avenue for those kind of conversations, but we should be diligent about creating an environment for those conversations to happen in a really safe and sacred space.
1: Very, very, very well said.
3: I think one other thing too is recognizing that as leaders, and especially I think we're all talking about leaders who are leading from the middle somewhere is that your voice is not just your own voice. In social media, you're stewarding your pastor's voice, you're representing your entire church, that um, when you come into a conversation online, as individualized as our culture is, you're not just an individual that you're representing. And I think having an awareness of that, and I think it's worth for, for teams, for church teams to have conversations about, Hey, what do we want our online culture to be like in terms of how we engage when we write, when we're engaging digitally, um, in that space, I think it's a great conversation to have.
1: Gosh, I've really enjoyed this conversation today. I want to ask you guys one more question before we, we land the plane here. Um, and let's talk about, I guess, using wisdom and staying safe in our digital spaces. So this, this to me could be everything from, you know, having a conversation via text that should happen in person all the way to, you know, we, we, we live in a very password protected world. Now we live in a very private world to look at someone else's phone is awkward, right? It's like their, their personal space. And uh, so many of our interactions with people are behind passwords, but yet it can give the enemy a foothold and can lead to inappropriate conversations and um disappearing messages don't help you know in that at all and um i've seen t- a number of young leaders n- get affected by just y- y- being casual about their 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 digital use and it ends up you know impacting them they they enter into inappropriate aspects of relationships with other people or Whatnot, and I just think I want to. My heart is that every young leader listening to this, that in twenty, thirty years, you're standing healthy, thriving in ministry, and have given the enemy no foothold, and that includes our digital life. Uh, can we just lean into that for a second? How can we, how can we lead and stay safe in this area, um, and and give ourselves great layers of accountability when it comes to how we're using our digital platforms as leaders? Uh, some
3: of the things that we've been talking about in our team is things like obviously big number one is don't assume anything is private, but literally once you type anything into anything, it's stored on some hard drive somewhere. You just assume that all digital communication is public. All of it. You just have to make that you have to function from that assumption. And so a part of that, like in the same way that you would build accountabilities in a group, you know, by being in, in groups of three, we encourage our team, like, hey, include someone else in the digital conversation. Don't engage alone, um, at in in any kind of digital, any any kind of digital sphere.
0: Like practically for me, uh, that's something that I, I do, um, whether it's, you know, text or um, any kind of communication, um, even. Uh, you know, people on our team guide a girl, you know, my assistant is always attached or my wife is always attached so that it's not just, um, me and one other. And then another side is, is, uh, you know, my wife has like total access to every device I have, um, you know, every password I have. And, uh, you know, I've created, I've created, you know, boundaries, if you would, Uh, safeguards that would keep me accountable, you know, to making sure that, you know, I'm being safe there. Uh, But then also, I mean, very, I mean, just very, very practical is, um, I think on the, in our, in our day-to-day lives, making sure uh, we're waking up every day. And at some point having an introspective moment with Jesus to say, you know, search my heart and know me, you know, um, yeah. and give me wisdom and 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 help me and turn to this day into this conversation in a safe way,
3: yeah i
4: yeah i I guess it, that is all very, very good i i I just want to echo what everybody said. I don't really have tons new to bring to the table, except that i I'm kind of surprised that people think that those things are private um, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> I, i'm still, I'm, I'm honestly a little shocked, and I don't mean that to be rude <laughs> or anything, but Um, I think it speaks to how ingrained the culture of like Snapchat and different things really is, um, or the effect that that kind of media has had, because we think like it'll go away, but it's quite the opposite. It's actually more exposed than generations before doing things they shouldn't have done. So I actually think that social media could be a really great, like tool of added accountability. Just if you have that understanding, if you really, really recognize that it isn't hidden, um, Mm -hmm. I think, and, and see it that way and then invite people into it. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I, I love what Pace said. Like my husband can always grab my phone and see anything. Like a lot of times my, you know, I'm like the worst at I have like the worst passwords, you know, anybody like a very freely, like other people have it, um, maybe to my own detriment, but, um, in terms of like, I don't know if I should give it away as freely as I do as I'm talking right now, but <laughs> I think that that idea of, um, I'm going to change my password. Um, but, I think that idea of like, what do I have, I think I've lived my life. Like I, you kind of have to have that mindset of like, it's all going to be public. It is already to some degree, just maybe not the public has seen it, but at any time it's right for that. So anybody should be able to have eyes on, on this and, and it, and see it through the filter of like, yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't inappropriate behavior here. So I think that's just a reality check for everybody, but it also is a built-in safeguard if we think of it that way.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, I I love you all. I love what you're doing in all of your lanes in in your churches. Thank you so much for having a heart for the kingdom, having a heart for younger leaders. Um, Thankful for each of you. Thank you for contributing to Leading Second, too. We highly value each of your voices. Thank you for having us, man.
4: Yeah, thank you. It was really good. Appreciate you.
1: If this podcast has resonated with you, I want to encourage you to help us out by becoming a podcast ambassador. Hit that subscribe button, however you're listening to this today, and consider sharing it uh, with your team or with someone you know, someone you feel like this could help. We also hear of, of people going through this, not just in church environments, but in their workplaces. And I, I pray wherever this lands, it'll help us all get it right as people who lead when you're not in charge. Also, lead us a rating or a comment. And um, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. I also wanted to let you know that if you'd like to bring Leading Second to your church, we have a free of charge online course offered now on leadingsecond.com. This is a way for you as an individual or for your entire team or staff to go through our first round of Leading Second teaching, all available on leadingsecond.com. We would love to just be a resource to you and your team as you attempt to lead well and be uncommon church builders. So Leading Second, we love you. We're so thankful for you. So thankful to have a voice into your life every single week. Until next time, Leading Second, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. For more information,
0: check out leadingsecond.com or join the Leading Second Forum on Facebook.